Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Friday, March 18th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Kansas had a long wait on its first NCAA tournament day. The Jayhawks were already set for the final of four games, and when the game before it went into overtime, the wait was even longer. Tip time came around 9.45 p.m. on Thursday, but all's well that ends well. Top-seeded Kansas defeated Texas Southern by 27 points and moved on to Saturday's second-round matchup against Creighton. On today's show, beat writers Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore tell us what they saw from the game, what it means, and we preview the matchup with the Blue Jays. Also, we spent some time discussing what it would mean for Kansas to catch Kentucky on the list of all-time college basketball victories. That would happen if KU defeats Creighton on Saturday. By the way, that game is scheduled to tip off at 1.40 p.m., so sleep deprivation should not be an issue. Okay, let's get started talking Kansas and the NCAA tournament. Well, Gary Bedore just yawned. Uh, I think that says it all. Uh, We're recording this podcast about 10 in the morning on Friday, uh, what, maybe 10 hours after Kansas put the finishing touches on its NCAA tournament uh, victory over Texas Southern, 83-56. to We're going to spend a little time on that game, but mostly focus on what's coming up next for the Jayhawks. Gary Bedore and Jesse Newler here. And, well, they're in Fort Worth, Texas, and covered the game last night. Gary, um, I thought KU came out a little, you know, a little nervous. I don't know if nervous is the right word, but a little um, slow, maybe. They, they never didn't you know, they always except when it was two nothing um, they quickly got the lead and, and never lost it but it just seemed like some of the possessions were um, they seemed a little rattled early uh, what do you think yeah I was telling somebody early in the game that uh, I thought it was KU had played three great games at sprint at a T-Mobile Center in the Big 12 tournament and I thought this was the worst they'd played in the first four minutes of this game than they had the whole time at T-Mobile Center in the Big 12 tournament. It looked like one of those years where they were going to be all nervous and everything. It was two to two after, what, three minutes. It was – then it was finally nine to four, I think. And then then it was just bombs away, highlight film, showtime – they KU hit 11 threes, uh, got all these dunks, Remy Martin. So by the end of the game, I thought it turned into a practice. You know, it was, Bill Self got a very nice practice out of it, which is what you want in a 116. It's almost like a bye. And Kansas some years doesn't take that as a bye. They struggle. and But like you said, a little nervous early maybe. Every player, it seemed like, did one stupid thing, but then it was uh, nirvana for KU fans, I think. Yeah, something that just occurred to me, I I hadn't thought much about this, but this group of Kansas basketball players hasn't had a lot of postseason success experience, right? None of them have been – I'm right about that, right, Jesse? None of them have been out of the second round. Um, none of them had won a Big 12 tournament. Um, they hadn't won one since 18, right? Or did they win it? I can't remember if they won it in 18. But just in terms of postseason success, there's not a lot of this on KU's roster. 
Mitch Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to get to. The 60-year senior is the one that uh, would be the exception to the rule in that, which would be Mitch. But, yeah, 2019 was the Auburn. 2020 would have been, you know, then the overall number one seed. The tournament got canceled. 2021 was USC in the bubble. So, yeah, KU has not made the second weekend since 2018 when they made that Final Four run. So, a little bit different. And, I mean, to be honest, I kind of took some guff for tweeting this out. But Bill Self, my goodness, he was strung tight early in that game. I mean, there was – I was joking with people because I wrote about or typed up how tight he was and – uh, our old friend, colleague, Rustin Dodd asked, is there an analytic for that? And I said, yeah, curse words per possession. And Bill Self is ranking uh-huh. way up there right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was strung tight, man. I mean, it was pretty crazy. Like, there was one about two minutes in, Jalen Wilson kind of got the ball in transition, and Sexus Southern kind of backed off him, and he fired up a three. And I mean, I thought, like, okay, Jalen Wilson's a decent shooter. It's a wide-open shot, and Self just – lit into him like he had murdered somebody on the street or something um so yeah i i think all those things that gary talked about were his four to two early you know sometimes you can really reflect the attitude and the personality of your coach and for four minutes k you really did and this is why sam mcdowell wrote about this for us uh calling the sam mcdowell uh, in the start that was really appropriate and right that remy came in and sort of was the calming influence like hey guys still just playing basketball here, you know, um, don't need to squeeze all the air out of this orange ball. I mean, it's just a game. And, and so I think he really helped them in that regard. And we'll see if he can do that same sort of thing moving forward. It's funny because he walked in there and Bill Self called a play and Remy predictably just screwed it up. You know, like this is exactly what happened. Bill Self wants to go to all these play calls and wants to do with Remy on the court. And the very first one he calls, Remy doesn't remember where he's supposed to go. But again, all those other things that Remy does, transition, passing, looking for teammates, being able to score off the dribble, drawing help, showing energy. Uh, again, all those non-tight things that KU had last night, that's really where, where Remy succeeded. I thought he was a huge key to getting KU off to the start that it did in the first eight minutes or so and, and kind of reminding everybody, hey, this is just basketball. Let's go out and play. Yeah, let's pick up Remy in just a moment. But I just wanted to uh, ask you guys, since you were, you were there, um, the fact that the game started, what, 45 to 50 minutes later than the 8.57 uh, p.m. start time, uh, Gary, did, did uh, we've all been there, right? That we're playing the late game, but I thought Bill had a really interesting. I hadn't thought about this, but he, I thought he had a re- really interesting thought after the game about um, you know kids sitting around all day and coaches sitting around all day, and it reminded him of a another time when Kansas experienced that. Yeah, I guess they lost the late game when Bucknell beat them in two thousand five. Uh, which was the last – no, Bradley was the last time they lost a first-round game, I think, right? Right, right. But I don't know if that was the last game. I know Bucknell was. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Self said that, you know, it's tough to just sit around all day. And I, I'm sure they were just watching the other games in between meals. And uh, you just wait and wait. And – with that overtime game, I'm sure I didn't check the tunnels, but the Jayhawks were probably standing there like teams do waiting to come out and shoot around. And then they probably took them back to the locker room and you can sit around all day and get nervous, you know, and just anxious. So self brought that up himself, I believe just saying how it reminded him of 
the Bucknell day and uh, it turned out all well for him. But I know Roy Williams uh, never liked that late game either. It, it kind of made him mad because as, as you know, it's all about the money and the TV, which the coaches benefit from. That's how they get paid their big salaries. But, you know, we shouldn't be starting games at 10 o'clock just so TV can have the whole day, the whole night into the wee hours. So uh, I don't like it either. Roy would uh, tell you too, that he did like, he would tell you at the post-game press conference how much he did. (laughs) (laughs) The late starts. And you're right with the overtime of the Creighton San Diego state game. That meant we got to see more commercials with Mike Krzyzewski pitching AT&T products. So Uh, uh, that's, that's a lot of fun. Uh, let's get back to Remy. It was as Jesse was alluding to earlier, the 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 bounce pass to David McCormick that ended in the dunk, the no look pass to McCormick, the backdoor pass to uh, to Harris, then he knocks mm-hmm. down a three pointer. And we talked about it after the Big Twelve tournament, but that the the game's feel changed when Remy Martin started, you know, handling the ball. I thought Jesse and and. It's like it's like Kansas has a new player, you know, just just a, it's like they they, they picked up, um, you know, Ben Zobrist or Johnny Cueto for the stretch run. Right. And and here they are, um, you know, changing the, the basically the, the 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 percentage percentages of Kansas going forward in the in, in the tournament. Well, the, the bracket, what happened in the bracket changes the percentages. And we'll get to that, too, because I that was a pretty interesting story. But just the way that Remy Martin has played in the big 12 tournament and, and last night going forward, what a huge plus that is for KU. Yeah, I think so. And it goes back to what we talk about here. Um, For one, I think the question was always wrong because the question, especially with KU fans has been Dewan Harris or Remy Martin, Dewan Harris or Remy Martin. And it's the wrong question because what KU started out with the season before Remy got hurt was their best lineup was when Jalen Wilson was suspended and didn't get off to a great start. And their starting lineup was Dewan Harris, Remy Martin, Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji, and David McCormick. And people forget now, but like in November and December, early on, KU was getting off to great starts every single game. But that five, that that five man lineup with the two point guards on the court at the same time, and that's what you're seeing now. Bill Self is not playing Remy Martin without Dewan Harris. He's playing him with Dewan Harris. And you saw last night, it increases the defensive intensity. Uh, it allows Remy to gamble a little more defensively because he knows there's another point guard uh, there alongside him. And then uh, it helps them push in transition like they were able to do last night. And um, I think what Remy gives them is, again, sort of the antithesis of what Bill Self sometimes is or is about, which is um, Bill Self wants control. He wants to know what things are going to happen. He wants to be certain of how a play is going to be run and he wants it executed well and he wants this guy to go here and this guy to go here and again that's the reason he's such a great coach what remy gives is the unknown he he is great in the chaos you know what i mean like bill self can set up a ball screen for remy and remy is best when he rejects the ball screen he sees that the guy's overplaying it and he goes the other way so like if k runs a certain play call and Dewan Harris gets the ball, he's going to use the ball screen every time because that's what Bill Self wants, and that's how he wants to play run. Ramey's going to reject it. It might be a turnover, but it also could be a layup. You know what I mean? Same thing with those transition plays. I mean, those are passes nobody on KU would even attempt other than Remy. He attempts them. He gets them to Dave. It's a momentum-changing play. Dave dunks it. Everybody's going wild. So 
I think it's a really nice balance for Kansas to have right now because they don't have to have Remy to win, but he kind of gives them something that they don't have with the other guys, which is a little bit of freelance, a little bit of, of going off the, the sheet music, if you will. And uh, that can be dangerous this time of year because sometimes defense is locked down. Sometimes they take away what you want to do. If you can have that other aspect in a guy like Remy Martin, where you can still be effective offensively when other teams are taking away what you want to do and you can't control things from the bench, that can be a really big plus down the stretch here. Great in the chaos. I like that. And, um, and, I, and Dwan Harris played well yesterday too. I mean, you had both point guards playing very well yesterday. That, that again, that, that bodes well for, for Kansas going forward. Um, trying to think what else from the game that, that stood out to me, you know, Ochai had his little flurry in the first half. Christian Brown, you know, shot it well throughout the game, uh, mostly in the second half, though, when they were pulling away. Uh, look, you know, unlike the, you know, the, the first-round game that Kansas played last year when the outcome was in doubt, you know, through um, into the – well into the second half, Eastern Washington uh, was the opponent then. This one was not, and – Kansas did, I think we established this earlier in the week, Kansas did catch something of a seeding break. They played the, 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 the 68th seed in this tournament in, in Texas Southern. And uh, that's more than Gonzaga, you know, got with it getting pushed by Georgia State into the second half of its game, another one versus 16. But um, uh, Kansas got uh, an opponent that they – they, they were favored to roll over, and they did exactly that. They covered the 20, I think it was 22. The point spread was 22 or 22 and a half, depending on when you got it. And Kansas surpassed that comfortably. So, all right, guys, let's take a break, and we'll talk about Creighton, what's coming up, and the rest of the tournament, and something about um, the all-time victory list. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore who cover Kansas. They're at the uh, NCAA tournament in Fort Worth, Texas, next up for Kansas, ninth-seeded Creighton, 140 tip on Saturday. Creighton defeated San Diego State 72-69 to in overtime, the game before Kansas and Texas Southern. 
I got to tell you, Gary, did you end up, you ended up covering that game or at least writing about it. And uh, I, I thought that was a pretty gutsy effort by Creighton to be down almost yeah. throughout the entire <laughs> game and uh, come back and force overtime and then trail in overtime and, and lose uh, their center and, and come back and win that game. So really nice win for, uh, for Greg McDermott and, and the Blue Jays. Yeah, that was a great win for Creighton. They were the Blue Jays were down 14 points in the first half. The whole game, uh, you got the feeling San Diego State felt like, you know, okay, at least we're still up six, at least we're still up five. In my mind, there was always the chance that the team losing could catch him finally. They did. And uh amazingly, their big guy, seven foot one Kalkbrenner uh, from St. Louis is where he's from, went down in the opening seconds, I believe in overtime and uh, obviously a bad injury. They carried him off, hurt his knee. It looked like coach after the game, McDermott said it was devastating loss and they would do all the tests, but he didn't obviously didn't think he would play Saturday. Uh, so that's about it. My other thought is Creighton only played seven guys and one of those guys played six minutes. <laughs> so uh, somebody's either going to have to step up or he's only going to play six guys. Uh, so, or would that be five guys missing one? Anyway, uh, on paper, don't like Creighton's chances at all. But as Bill Self said the word crazy about three times in the post game, who knows? The crazy NCAA tournament. It was crazy on the first day, that's for sure. Trey Alexander's a freshman guard for Creighton who played really well down the stretch. And he's a guy that's taken on a bigger role because of the uh, the injury to Ryan Nebhart, who went down in February with a with an injury. You talked about Cockbrenner, the, the center, the seven foot center who went down in overtime. He was sitting in a wheelchair in the locker room on the, uh, the, the ceremonial bracket advanced Velcro exercise. He's the one who did it. And he did it from sitting in a wheelchair. Mm. You know, Creighton missed their first 10 three pointers in this game and, and against San Diego state and, and came back and, and won it. The interesting guy to me on this team, and Jesse, I'm sure you'll agree, Ryan Hawkins, who has had major success, had major success. I think he was the Division II player of the year at Northwest Missouri State. All that guy ever did was win uh, with the Bearcats and Ben McCollum up there. And he is a, you know, quite a glue guy for, for Creighton. Fun to watch, just does seems to do everything right, which is um, which is a characteristic of just about everybody that plays <laughs> at Northwest Missouri State. So uh, what, what do you have this? Uh, I, I see you projected the line, Jesse. Ten-point favorite, do you think KU will end up being? Well, I think the line just opened. Oh, okay. Um, and, I, and, I, and so let me double-check on it while I'm talking to you here. But I'd heard it got all the way up to 11 and a half. And I think if you're looking at that, I mean, that to me is a major, major um, indication if it got that high of what betters think about Cockbrenner and potentially what his impact is for this team. And I was looking at some of the advanced sites and kind of looking into that and saying, okay, you know, is he the best player on the team? And it's basically unquestionably yes, you know, seven foot one in the back end. And if you look at a team like Creighton, uh, they, 
block a lot of shots and defend twos really well. I mean, what what is the prototypical person that potentially helps you uh, when you're limiting two pointers and able to block a lot of shots? Well, it's the seven foot one guy in the back, you know, breaking news on that one. So uh, Gary mentioned it, but yeah, this is this is tricky for Creighton. Um, you lose your best player, you lose the biggest defensive piece. Uh, you have an overtime game about 36 hours, 38 hours before the game, and you only played seven guys to start with. One of those guys, six minutes, and, and one of those guys is now out. Um, yeah, th this is tricky for Creighton. I mean, I, I I don't really know what else to say about him. You, you mentioned Ryan Hawkins, and, and yeah, he's going to have to take on a big offensive load because Cockbrenner was a guy in there that they could rely upon. He took um, really good shots. He was 66% from two. He got fouled a lot, kind of like Dave, uh, not quite as good as Dave, but he's really good at the free throw line. So how you get some of your offense production that way. But, you know, I was surprised when I first looked at Creighton's numbers because you just think Greg McDermott and you think, Hey, they're going to make a bunch of threes. They're going to shoot a bunch of threes, you know, space the floor out kind of like the Mitchell Ballack days, you know, you kind of envision that. And then defensively, they're going to be a little bit worse. It really was flipped this year. You know, they, they don't shoot threes very well. And uh, defensively is where they hang their hat but again a lot of that is the big dude on the back end which they're probably not going to have against kansas so yeah it's a tricky spot for for creighton and um credit to them for making it pass and having that huge comeback but um you know outside of kansas just looking really nervous or having a, a really off shooting day i i love how this shaped up for them in this game and i love how it shaped up for them in the next game as well it should be noted that uh, when when Carpenter went down, as we as we mentioned in overtime, uh, there were there was still plenty of game left, and it was a toss up game, and it was Creighton that made um, that made all the plays down the stretch without their big guy in the middle. So, yeah, Creighton Creighton interesting team. I you, you know you, you catch him on on TV on 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 Fox because Big East has the the contract with Fox and. Um, of the, they're four and three in their last seven games. And in their losses, they scored 48, 60, and 51. Um, in three of those four wins, they were at 72, 85, and, uh, and 74. So this is a team in, in the Greg McDermott Bowl that likes to run, likes to, you know, likes to shoot and, and put up points. Um, but they can, they can be shut down and they, they can get tempoed. Uh, th there's a great example. Their, their regular season uh, series with Villanova this year, they beat Villanova in Omaha 79-59. In Philadelphia, they lost 75-41. to Now, I didn't study those games. I, it, I don't know what the, they're, they're, if there were some circumstances there, but basically to score 40 less points, 38 fewer points um, in, in, uh, you know, in those two games just shows that uh, it's it's a um, you know it, it's a team with a wide with a wide range and and then they ended up losing to Villanova in the tournament the Big East tournament fifty four to forty eight so uh, good defenses have shut down Creighton Kansas playing much better defense lately and I thought they played terrific defense for the most part on uh, on on Thursday night um, all right how about this business of all time victory list. Uh, Gary, I think you've covered half of KU's all-time victories. Uh -huh. um, how meaningful is something like this for the Jayhawks? Uh, let, let me first of all, let me just say they need one more win to catch Kentucky for number one, right? Kentucky's yeah lost. to tie them. Yeah, to tie <clears> Kentucky. <throat> so Kentucky's loss opens the door for Kansas to uh, Kentucky's loss to um, St. Peter's 
on Thursday opens the door for Kansas to catch the Wildcats at this tournament. How, how meaningful is that? Well, to the fans, uh, I think they really want it. Uh, can't speak for all of them, but they, if you check, you know, the, the message boards and stuff throughout the last several years, as KU's been catching up, they always, it's a topic of discussion. Self has addressed it several times on his radio show. Uh, you know, what would it ever mean to catch Kentucky? And he, he, he says it'd be a nice recruiting thing. S say that they're the number one team all time in wins. So uh, it's interesting because it's been four games seemingly all year. Kentucky and Kansas have been having about the same number of wins and KU has continued to trail by about four. Suddenly <laughs> uh, KU is only one away. So if they defeat Creighton, which like Jesse said, they'll be heavily favored, especially without Kalkbrenner, uh, it'll be a tie. And they'll have finally caught Kentucky with a chance to storm ahead in Chicago. So uh, I don't even know what to think about it if it's a big that big a deal. But my guess is yes, because you're the all-time leader in college basketball and wins, not in Final Four uh, – Titles or national, national championships, right? Yeah, not the national championships, but uh, I think for bragging rights, which fans like a lot, big deal for the players. I'm sure they'd like to bring it to the fans. So they'll probably uh, add a banner or put it. Well, no, because it could fluctuate forever. You know, with two blue bloods having the same amount of wins, that thing could go up and down for many, many years to come. Yeah, I've got a chart. Uh, I've been researching this a little bit uh, just this morning, and I, I may write something about it, but I've, I've got a chart. Basically, it's, it's fluctuated between uh, Kentucky and North Carolina and Kansas in the top three. Kansas has been number one on this list in its history, oh. in its history. So like back in the, uh, the 40s and the 50s, Kansas was number one. It was overtaken by Kentucky, which was overtaken by North Carolina, and then Kentucky got it back. But over the last 50 years or so, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Kansas have been the top three. And Carolina fell to number three. Kansas firmly entrenched at number two for many, many years. Mm. chasing Kentucky and now they stand at the you know, at the doorstep of, of, of catching the, the Wildcats listen I know it's I know it's a major point of pride with Kentucky fans and maybe it will be with and maybe it is with Kansas fans as well but I know Kentucky mm. fans talk about it and and writers write about it in, in Kentucky I've, I've been asked about sharing the Kansas perspective on this from Kentucky journalists and to be honest with you, I don't even know what to tell them. I don't know what to say. Um, yeah. But um, it'd be, it's kind of a cool thing, Jesse, I guess, if, if you're number one all-time in victories, the way I, I, you know Notre Dame or who, Michigan, whoever it is in college football is number one in, in victories. I would write about it, Blair, because everybody talks about it. Um, that, that's your answer from now on. I think I probably get more questions about that and had saw more discussion about that yesterday than even KU 
advancing in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, it's a big deal. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to lump all crazy fans together, but I don't think that this is helping John Calipari right now. The fact that they're going to probably lose this thing over the next few days because of their opening round loss against St. Peter's. I think that is going to potentially help lead more of a charge of angry fans against him um, because that has been a source of pride for Kentucky. And, you know, if you want to look at some of the, the things that Calipari has done well, it would be the NCAA tournament success and bringing in talent. What he hasn't done as well is that, you know, in Bill Self's 19 years, KU's made up about 40 games on this all-time list. So uh, he's definitely had the better regular seasons when it comes to that and conference championships. So depends on the gauge you want. I'm sure, you know, if you're Kentucky fans, you you know, you're not as happy with the results with Calipari because he's been the guy with your program. If you're Kansas fans, you say, well, why can't Bill Self win the tournament more? But, you know, who cares about the regular season titles because you sort of get spoiled with the regular season titles. So all depends on your perspective. But no, I, I definitely think if Kansas passes them, you will see lots of, even though the number will change, you'll see lots of t-shirts, lots of talk about Kansas passing that number because it is a big deal. And those two fan bases are absolutely competitive. How about that? Well, uh, we'll see what uh, our friends at Lexington, John Clay and Jerry Tipton and others say about it, if, if it does happen. But, um, uh, yeah, look, that, that was a terrible loss for Kentucky against St. Peter's yesterday. And Calipari's getting a lot of grief about this. I Listen, I, I think he's a heck of a coach. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he went, to the, went into the Hall of Fame before Bill Self did. And um, has won a national championship. In fact, Bill uh, Self and John Calipari won their national championships against each other, which I find interesting. And, um, and, and but Coach, it's a it's a tough day for the Kentucky program and for Coach Cal. Uh, I, you know, former, you know, whatever you want to call him, graduate assistant or assistant at Kansas Calipari. So, um, well. You know, Kentucky basketball will, will survive this, just as Kansas basketball survived its disappointments. And there have been many, many disappointments in the NCAA tournament for, for both programs. Kansas clearly has had many disappointments. Um, the lows are always very low when you lose unexpectedly in the NCAA tournament. Um, but the highs are so high, and that's why we love uh, March Madness. So. All right, guys, we'll leave it at that. And uh, I really, really appreciate you joining us today on a, a short turnaround and even a, another short turnaround for you two covering the, the Kansas Creighton game. Saturday, 1.40 p.m. tip. Um, so that is the first game in Fort Worth on Saturday, is it not? It's not? No, it's no there's an 11 a.m. game before, yep. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, well, maybe you will have to wait around a little bit longer than that. <laughs> the actual tip time but jesse and gary <laughs> thanks a lot guys and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon that'll do it for today and this week on sports kc big thanks to those who put together the podcast monty davis jeff rosen and chris Fickett, and a tip of the cap to gary bedore and jesse newell for sharing their thoughts on college hoops make sure you have access to the stars morning sports edition on kansascity.com Today, it's 58 pages of NCAA tournament, NFL free agency, spring training, NBA, NHL, golf, tennis, auto racing, everything else in sports coverage. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week on Sportsbeat KC.